0: Hi, Craig here from The Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch The Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, The Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, On your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilley. And I'm Rob Schulte.
1: Bill, it's a very serious day. We're talking serious subject matter. Um, we're changing format, and we're going to talk about the news. Uh, just kidding! Mm. It's another non-MCU episode of Bill and Rob's watching and learning about all things Marvel before they decided to combine their powers. Is that, was that a right way of putting it, Bill?
0: I think so. I think before they, you know, it's one of those multiverse shattering type events where they can only have one left until like a month <laughs> and a half later when sales flag and they're like, we got to bring that back. So let's go. Yep.
1: yep. Well, it's an exciting day. And those of you watching the video of this feed, which will never actually release to the public, you already know that we have a very special guest today. Oh, we and do. And this guest, well, let me just read a, a, a statement I prepared. Today we have a guest. You may know her from The Taylor Strecker Show, or the iconic third season of Vanderpump Robs, the best Vanderpump Rules recap podcast out there. We all know this. Or possibly hanging out at Disneyland with Captain America and the Falcon. It's Mackenzie Green. Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you
2: for having me. I dress for the occasion. I'm wearing my Carol Danvers sweatshirt. Yes.
0: Nice. It's
1: a big, big day.
0: I told Rob before we came on the air, I'm so sad that we didn't all have time to get matching Oakley's for this.
1: <laughs> I mean, I need wraparounds.
0: Well, oh, obvious. I or mean, nothing at I,
2: all. you know, what's funny about, we'll get into the thing, but I just want to give the people some context. So we are about to talk about the movie that made me fall in love with comic book movies. And on top of it, I worked at paramount pictures in the wake of, of at the time what was seen as not a big deal, of letting go of a small little movie called Iron Man, starring <sighs> Robert Downey Jr. and Terrence Howard. And I remember, I truly remember my boss at the time being like, it's not going mean, to, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Avengers is coming out. That's not going to like be a thing, do we think? And I was like, oh my well,
1: God. it might. Oh my so, God. Hindsight. 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 The weird thing is, though, and Bill, you can speak to this a little bit. You've got I know like you still have the long boxes of comics at your house. Like Iron Man, though, wasn't a huge character. So I could I could at least see I think bit.
2: what I adore about the fact that you guys are doing this show is that the fact that people don't understand the folks that had movies prior to this for Marvel were the people that mattered to folks like to the to the average person because i was i had i grew up dyslexic kid and my grandfather taught me how to read with comics so i have like boxes upon boxes of comics and i remember being like no marvel is x-men it's blade like what the hell are they doing making an iron man movie who mm-hmm. wants Captain America, and now here we are. Fast forward. I'm wearing a Carol Danvers shirt, which I never thought I'd see the day where I'd be like, you know, who I like? Captain Marvel, Sam mm-hmm. Wilson, Ms. Marvel. It's, it's a wild <laughs> yeah. time, kids. We live
0: time. in an era. We live in an era where large Fortune 500 executives are having some of the conversations we had on the playground about who yes. can beat up who in a fight. It's just I a mean, ridiculous it blows world. My mind. It, it blows is. my mind. <laughs> it, it's completely crazy, and I remember because all these characters were there were group books and everything. But they were just tears upon tears of what you call the B list characters. Yes, you, you knew your standouts. And back in the day when I was a kid, adults might know two or three. You knew you say Batman, sure, Superman. Superman. People have been around since the thirties they grab a hold of that anything else marvel from the 60s it's like spider-man yeah. sure but if you said iron man they'd be like that's some yeah. dude that smelts ore in a plant somewhere i don't know what that is exactly we're stones thrown away cool. from like a shadow cat mm-hmm. movie you know uh-huh. oh like
2: when well, the fact that we live in a world where people are know where i know people that are aware of squirrel girl and say yeah. to me do you think anna kendrick <laughs> would be girl than that i'm like get out of here I'm not uh, trying to gatekeep. I sound like those uh, Stranger Things, those yeah. Metallica fans who were like, I don't want
1: you listening to our music off a of Stranger Thing." Yeah. yeah, careful. This is turning into a Reddit podcast before our very <laughs> eyes.
0: No, be careful. We're going to get into Dazzler casting here in a minute, and I'm going to go nuts.
1: <laughs> now, Bill, you want to tell us
0: what movie we're watching today? We are watching a movie that I had forgotten I'd seen, but I'm glad I've seen it again. I knew I'd seen it, but I was like, I I don't exactly remember how this goes, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And it's now the only movie where I have notes taped to the wall for this show. So I have a lot to think about it. We watched Blade 2. We just skipped over Blade 1. We went straight to this movie. And I'm glad we did because normally sequels don't give you as much as the first movie. But this thing is amazing in what it did. So I'm glad we're here to discuss it. Yeah,
1: Blade 2, same story. I had forgotten that I had seen it. But once I did start watching it, everything came flooding back like a vat of blood. Uh, Mackenzie, you said that the Blade series got you into this sort of uh, comic book life, right? When the
2: first head got split open, I immediately called my mom and I said, we need to have a little conversation here, buddy. (laughs) Because I remember watching these movies growing up. Like my grandfather, I remember he used to, we used to go, my mom and my grandmother would come with us. Could have cared less. So they would take a nap. Movie would start. Wesley Snipes would smile, and the two of them would be like, Well, see you in a little bit. And they'd go to bed, go to sleep. And I said to her, Ma'am, this, you should not have let a child see these films. (laughs) I retained none of the violence. As I was was much like you, Bill, where I was like, Oh, I've seen this movie. I know this movie. I did not retain how violent this was, but man. Did I love it as a kid growing up? And my grandfather and I high fived at the end of the movie in the theater. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, I just didn't nice. remember them wake us being like, "Wake up, guys! Movie's over!" and being like, "High ah, bad.
1: Well, I mean, and that's what? awesome because I, I love the Blade One when I saw I saw it in theaters multiple yeah. times. Uh, I had the DVD because I worked at Sam Cuddy Sun Suncoast at the time, and that I remember that coming out. I was like, "I'm getting that," and that is going to be my weekend. But before that, I think the only Wesley Snipes movie I had seen was Passenger 57. And I you know how something like cements in your head, like what an actor is. And it takes like a huge role to pull you out of like the character you saw them first in. And it's weird because for a long time, it was like, now I want to see Blade fight terrorists on an airplane. That's all I want. That is a movie I need
2: we just to show you the mind of a child. I knew Wesley Snipes for much of my life from two things, Blade and Tu Wong Fu. And oh that never God. bothered me. I truly was like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Like it, it was odd to me that people were like, how do you know Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes and John <laughs> Leguizamo? <Wesley> <laughs> like John Leguizamo was Romeo and Juliet, Tu Wong Fu. Patrick, Swayze. And,
1: and Patrick Swayze
2: was ghost and too long food. So like I yeah. was like, Oh, every big male action star on the planet must do a movie in drag. You can imagine my shock when <laughs> that was not the case. As I grew up, I was like, wait, so when is, when is Harrison yeah. Ford going to dress like a woman? When that We've
1: come? got notes for uh, Disney right now. You're, exactly. you're fucking up in the MCU You know, but
0: well, I can relate because I'll always think of him as Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man. So I had the oh, bleached man. blonde-haired, really snappy wisecracking Wesley Snipes in my yeah. head when this went off.
1: Okay, I'm retconning my thing because I obviously saw Demolition Man as a child, and I remember in my head, I now have like this fiery memory of him being like Jeffrey Dahmer. I love that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you gotta love un. Unrestricted, unsupervised children with access to cable TV. You know? I love
1: that. Parents, why it's did you get you. Yeah. Yeah. it
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It shaped us all.
1: <laughs> so, Bill, we have an immediate segment we like to get into called origin stories.
0: Origin stories. We give you a little bit about what we're doing, the background of the character of the movie. And so you have an idea of what we're talking about. If you haven't seen this movie, you need at least a little working knowledge. So don't want to skip over that. And to do that, we have a segment we call Back of the Box, where we read the back of the VHS tape to give you that synopsis of the movie, because we know that's the perfect way to synopsis any movie. It's a time-honored art, which I have this right in front of me, Rob, if you'd like me to go ahead and read this. Please do, sir. All right. Allow me to put these sunglasses on and put this sword behind my back. All right. Here we go. <laughs> when the world is threatened by a new and deadlier breed of super vampire, the legendary blade and his mentor Whistler must join forces with the blood pack an elite team of vampire warriors made up of his sword enemies. In order to stop the carnage, these ravenous fiends must be destroyed at all costs in this high-voltage adventure, exploding with spectacular effects and martial arts action. Wow. (laughs) That told
1: me everything I needed to know. I can't believe I even watched the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was full of excitement. And uh, exploding with spectacular effects and martial arts action in a high voltage adventure. Now the yeah. high voltage part I'm going to Yeah. That's a figure out. Yeah, Cheeky. that's a that's a ding ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, what let's go through the cast and crew and if any names jump out to anyone feel free to just talk away. <laughs> I I've got here um Well, Bill, you you know more about the writers of this. So David S. Goyer from The Crow City of Angels, mm-hmm. right? Oh, some argue the best crow film.
0: I don't uh, know who those people are, Rob. And then uh Nick Fury Agent of Shield. Uh-huh. That's a movie that we're gonna get to. Just don't oh, you man. worry about that. Now, McKenzie,
1: you should know that uh in that Nick Fury movie, Nick Fury is played by David Hasselhoff.
2: I don't want that. I don't want yeah, Well, oh, tune geez. in
1: in just a few weeks, and you'll find out <laughs> no, why specifically no. you don't want that.
0: <laughs> no! Castlehoff is the perfect man to show you why you do want the thing you don't think you want. <laughs> Trust me. This is the whole reason this podcast exists, Mackenzie, is that movie that I brought up with Rob.
1: Oh, he's God. got an eye patch, but he's also on the beach? What? Uh, I mean... What a time. Can
2: you imagine? I'm sure sometimes David Hasselhoff just looks at Sam Jackson and just thinks, man, the things that could have been
0: uh, if I possibly. would have just played the game. <laughs> I don't think he had much to say about it, but yeah, Goyer, big name. He's written basically almost every superhero movie of the last 15 years or been a part of it so you know he did the dark knight trilogy he's done ghostwriter movies a lot of the tv stuff so he knows his business and this is him at the early part of when this genre was taken off so it's neat to see his work and see how he has carried it on through his whole career and he matched up with guillermo del toro who also wow. did the hellboy I mean, movies and mimic a small and, little
2: upstart director hoping yeah. to find his way
0: yeah, following in into a, the sequel of a franchise that was very successful and had expectations put upon it. And I think he came through with some flying colors on that. So, yeah, I was surprised with
1: some of the faces I saw on this cast. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got Mr. Snipes, Wesley Snipes is Blade, Whistler is Chris Christofferson, not to be confused with who's the guy who sang that song, Sailing? christopher cross christopher cross definitely i thought that was christopher cross
0: oh god that would make quite a different movie yeah ron perlman aka hellboy uh
2: do you know how okay so again time is a weird thing i saw ron perlman on the screen and i my first reaction was who is this man where have i seen him before wait (laughs) what and then I went. Is this like Vin Diesel? Because I forgot that this was 2002. And mm-hmm. then I went on IMDb Wild. and I went, no, that's not Hellboy. No, 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 yeah. no, no. And then oh, I yeah. was like, Wait. I. And then, and then I had an existential crisis where I was like, How old am I? How old yeah. am I? And then I was like, This was 20 years ago. I am a thousand years old. And then I oh. just
1: spiraled while I watched the movie. Yeah, it really made, brought me to some strong thinking points. I had to consult my dream journal after this, <laughs>
0: for sure. <laughs> we also have uh, Lenora Varela, I believe. I hope they said that right. As Nysa. Thomas Creechman as Damasquinos. Luke Goss as Nomac, And a very young Norman Reedus as Scud. The new tech guy.
2: Very young. About somebody being the same person for 20 years. Exactly. That was the one person that came on the screen and I went, "That's the dude from The Walking Dead? And then I kept going, when did this movie happen? Because Ron Perlman is a baby and Norman Reedus is the exact same person.
0: Uh huh. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. wild. wild. <laughs> it's the Burgess Meredith paradox of when you see an <laughs> old man who was old forever and you've never seen him as a young person. It's the you look exactly the same. Yes. As you did, you are a baby. And yet yes. you have the same hair, the same face, the same, same everything.
2: everything. I went, did somebody from The Walking Dead just go, I really like Blade 2. Let's just have him do that.
0: And well, i have forgotten he was in this movie, of course. And I've, I'm not a Walking Dead person. I haven't seen much. I know he's in this. You can't, it's one of those things you can't miss.
2: Exactly. I've and never he, seen an episode, but it's
0: like yeah. the Kardashians. I it yeah. exists. Yeah, and he popped on screen. And I was like, uh, young Reedus. <laughs>
1: well and Norman Reedus, like he's the main star of a video game I was playing called Death Stranding and you want to talk about fucking with your mind like obviously him as a video game character looks the same age as him in Blade 2 exactly. and I was just I is very uncanny Valley stuff happening
0: as yeah. I was watching this Thankfully um, he's balanced out by old Chris Christopherson who's also been old who so also can't has been fix old that leg
2: that, yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just wild, Chris. We're rooting for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> so we've kind of talked about our relationships with comics, we've re- talked about our relationships with you know, Blade and some of these younger, young teen Marvel. I would say this is its teen phase, it's adolescence, it's coming into its own. But, Mackenzie, you say you, you comics helped you read when you yeah. were younger. And Blade was a strong character there. Were there other comics or characters that either resonate well with you or like you hope to see in movies or you were thrilled to finally see in Marvel movies? Well, I mean, so this is the thing,
2: right? It's like X-Men was my jam. X-Men was like, I was just like, they get me like it is weirdos, strange people. Some people can pass. Some people are obvious, like they have their own world. I was like, I love this more than anything. Blade was this thing that, like, it felt like in an age-appropriate, it probably wasn't, like, exploitation movie for a preteen who is like, figuring out all of this weird nuance of, like, who am I in this full identity? And then it was, like, my grandfather was, like, surprised. I found somebody I think you'll like and I'm like oh my god he's a half vampire who cuts off people's heads and he walks around in the daytime and he wears a long black coat and I am also very weird and like fallout boy so this guy gets me and it's yeah. like awesome. and so I think like these movies <laughs> were such a weird like mix them with the early 2000s, like Lindsay Lohan of it all. Oh it's like, I God. loved that world. And then on the side, I had this like secret love of this techno loving, underground, blood bathing vampire hunter. And it was like, it just, it just, it added to a very odd person. It's like Willow Smith had nothing on me at that <laughs> point in my life.
0: Bill, what about you, buddy? Uh, yeah. These were the times when, I grew up with the TV shows and stuff. And like I said, you get the big heroes on there and hit or miss. We all, I lived through all the Superman movies downhill. You know, this is after this is Batman franchises, tanking all these things where comic book movies were a hard sell and they were hard to explain. And unless you were two names, Batman, Superman, nobody wanted or knew what that was. And they were failing. The Superman movies had gone out. Superman Ford killed that franchise. Clooney's on his way to freezing Batman solid. Not really his fault. We got to play. But, <laughs> I, was
2: just, they, I was just about to say, don't, not really his I fault. I love Batman. I love him. That was my <laughs> jam.
0: I, I I saw him in the theater. I love him too. But then these movies came out, and I had seen movies before this. Like there's the the '89 Dolph Lundgren Punisher. You have the the TV movie takes on a couple of things. Yep. Uh, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, had come out right around this time. But Blade was was genius because somebody finally figured out it's like nobody's going to know this. This is not a superhero movie. For one, Blade's yeah. not a superhero. And yeah. it said as much. Snipes has said it. The director's like, he's not he's not that person. He doesn't wear a cape and he's, he's a uniform. But he could be anybody. It's just simply you've taken a, a, a cultural icon of the vampire story, smashed it up with Urban Street, put in yeah. some ninja stuff and some martial arts. It's just a great movie. And it was exactly what they needed. To get interest back in this because now they saw like there's a people can go, there's a thousand of these stories in comic books that are comic book movies, but not necessarily superhero movies because everybody's going to resonate with this stuff. And the only thing Marvel had done before Blade One was Howard the Duck, and it w- <laughs> did not go well. Marvel Studios <laughs> was done, they were done to the point where. Blade 1, in, in bankruptcy, saved them to the tune of... They only make $25,000 on that movie. And it brought oh in God. millions because they were so far in the hole. But it showed that there's there's something here, so let's run with it. A yeah. lot
2: of times when people have this question of, like, how did I become a radicalized Marvel fan? This is, like, what you just said is always my joke. Is that, like, I loved these Blade movies. Did not know truly, that they had anything really to do with this world of Marvel. Like we saw the movie first and I was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. I love this thing. And that's when my grandfather was like, surprise, there's more of his story. And I was like, shut up. And then because of what I knew of Blade, that's why the first time somebody was like, oh, Marvel's making movies again. I was like, sign me up. Let's do it. These are going to be incredible. And then I went and I was like, Wait, isn't that the dude from like St. Elmo's fire? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? Terrence Howard's in this movie. And that's when I was like, I'm out. I don't want to participate in this. I don't think I'm gonna like it. And then I was like, oh, that's the guy from not another teen movie playing Captain America. I don't want this. Uh-huh. And then somebody was like, I think there's I think you'll like them now. Like they're t- like, and then Spider-Man came along and I was yeah. like, oh, okay. I'm into whatever Tobey Maguire is doing. So it's like,
0: yeah. it, it was a weird time. And love him or hate him. You can put a lot of that with all these movies that we're looking at. They don't have a unifying source, different studios, yeah. different places, different, everything's different. So the gems are standalone gems because you got lucky with cast, crew director, yep. writer, you know, they did not have for better or worse, a Kevin Feige or somebody yep. to tell a, a centralized line and go, we're going to put all this in one area that lives together separate to throw line and then go with it so i can fully remember going chris evans is captain America. he's johnny storm and no no oh (laughs) i don't don't like double downs i don't like double downs roles in superhero movies but (laughs) here we are clearly he was he did it you know and it's like okay awesome you got it because they pulled it together yeah i couldn't agree more with both of you (laughs) um
1: i but i i grew up i was an x-men kid i watched the animated series it was like rumors on the playground of like, I hear the X-Men movies about to happen. Like I specifically remember a kid going, I heard they just perfected the technology to make Wolverine's claws work. Like, who did you hear that from? <laughs> who do you, It's 1997. You didn't hear that from anyone. You know, yeah, like, like there are no message boards. You heard this from yeah. nowhere. No, this is just schoolyard stuff. But, To tell you how exciting it is to hear like those words, they perfected the technology for Wolverine's claws.
2: Oh what to hear to hear storm? The first time somebody said
1: storms in the movie, I was like, I'm sorry. What'd you just say? Uh huh. Oh, and the, I can And then to find you? out it's Halle Berry too. And oh, to like, add to the, this, yeah, is, yeah, this is a huge star. Like I don't know a lot of these other people, but like <laughs>
2: I, I know. This I, was person. Like, I was like, I don't know who yeah. that Australian guy is. I, I, good for him. But Halle Berry, I know yeah. her. Yeah,
0: yes. and it was it's key. You had to get like that one star. Like Snipes yeah. is the star of this movie. It is. And and I I don't know if you guys grew up with this. I grew up with a little Mousy, you know, Starlog. So I was used to the years upon years of development. Hell, they would put all the stories in there It was everything sci-fi comic book, whatever. So you'd read all the variety snippets. They're going to cast the mirror of this movie and it's going to come out in three years. And it's not. And the (laughs) the cast would change a thousand times. I remember Clint Eastwood's going to play Batman. No, that doesn't sound right at all. I don't think that's good, but what's going to up move it. He's out, you know, all the stuff we get instantly now. So these things would sit and you kept thinking, they can't make this movie. They're just, they, they can't make the movie. And the thing that Marvel movies have is they've always been more grounded. The comic books are more grounded. Yeah. Lee and the writers, all of them put them in real worlds. They have real world problems. They've always been more relatable than DC movies. DCs are very superhero ish. Yeah. Marvel's much more thing. You could possibly see were these powers to exist. Yeah. And they, and a, and a team movie was unthinkable. And the X-Men and say the mid nineties, unthinkable i've seen the yeah. justice league pilot from 1997 it's not possible <laughs>
1: it's not possible
0: well you know what is possible
1: bill moving on to our next segment what's under the mask this is a segment mckenzie where we discuss the interesting fun and shocking facts we might have discovered while watching this and turning on the google machine and and going, oh wait, who's that? What is it? What is that leather coat? Is that real leather? I don't, I'm not sure. Where did that sword come from? And Bill and I usually go back and forth on some of our facts. I know that we told you to not prepare at all and just come with pure raw emotion to yes. this episode. So please feel free to chime in on anything <laughs> that we jump into and research for this. I know you're you going to say something
2: that's going to make my head hurt. So like I'm just prepared. Mackenzie's <laughs>
0: well, our she's our berserker. She's our Wolverine yes. of, of this so she's gonna get claw away at all of it
1: now Bill, you have one more note than me so I'll well. let you go first so that we can really even it out
0: Well yeah and when I do this I like to dig into some stuff that really some fact that drove the movie or made it look the way it did or just something neat about it one of the things that is neat about it is Wesley Snipes was shooting two other movies around Blade 2 just as an appreciation of what an actor could do you think about that today who shoots three movies in a year today? Yeah if there's those are hard workers and i think that number's probably not what it used to be back then so props on him for being it so they used a stunt double in some of the scenes where he didn't have to be there of course they do that sometimes every so often but that was you know he wasn't just i ain't coming in today he's like all right in the three i got two other jobs i got to go
2: (laughs) that is some old school movie star stuff that they used Uh to do where people were like i'm gonna shoot like six movies at one time i'll see you guys later
0: yeah, this is my job. I'll make all the movies you want. Like when you used to go to the VHS store and you're like, how did Jennifer yeah. Aniston make 12 movies that went to VHS in 1998? I never, I didn't know that. So good on her too. And none uh, of us can find the good girl anymore. That's true. Um, Leprechaun. Why are all the Leprechaun copies gone? I don't know.
1: I, I would like to say on that note, I've got uh, IMDB pulled up here. In 2002, Wesley Snipes did Liberty Stand Still, Zigzag, Blade 2, and undisputed four movies in one year that is wild
2: mm-hmm. like meanwhile I was having a moment recently where I was like wow Miles Tellers in Spiderhead and The Offer and Top <laughs> Gun 2 and I was like wow that's so much work like no this man probably shot all four of those in the same like he probably shot yeah. one in o- 01 and then shot the other three in oh like and it was like probably. It. let's go yeah I got it yeah
0: yeah. The like we got to capitalize is, on this Blade stuff. Put all yeah, the movies
1: yeah. out now. Yeah. And
0: all anybody wants to ask you about is Fantastic Four with a four in the middle of the title. So God. come oh, back God to that, team. too. My other fact, which is a neat one that shows that Goyer and Del Toro, they really had respect for the comic book background of it. I always love that. If you watch the House of Pain scene in the middle of this movie, when they get is into the that the, the dance fight, sequence? Yeah. Oh, when yeah. they get to the church fight with Blade... The stained glass window in that house is Doctor Strange's Eye of Agamotto. I so they it. put so that cool. in there as an Easter egg because Del Toro wanted to do a Doctor Strange movie with Neil Gaiman and he was trying to get it off the ground and it didn't happen. Can you imagine what that, I wanted oh, that movie like?
2: so badly. Like, God mm-hmm. bless St. Raimi, he, he, did, he did his thing, but I'm, now I'm like, oh, I know what I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I, I want a Neil Gaiman Doctor Strange movie pretty yeah. bad. That's going to, that needs to happen. So I know you're listening, Marvel to get on that. And then my last fun fact is in that same house of pain sequence. And here's what I think cameos are always a little hit and miss for me. Kind of depends on who it is, what they're doing. Some of them pull you right out of the movie. When you see it, it's not like Stan. When you see Stan on screen, you expect him to be there. Apparently Michael Jackson was supposed to be in this movie. He was supposed to play a vampire pimp. In the House of Pain dance scene. This was a thing that was going to happen. And I don't know how if they would have made him up. If he would have been in thriller makeup. (laughs) I don't know. But scheduling conflicts caused this to not happen. And I am so torn about how I feel about it. I think I'm leaning towards I'm kind of glad it didn't. Because I think that would have moonwalked me right out of this movie. You know when you hear news that just shakes you to your very core? Mm And you...
2: And you don't know how you're gonna recover. That is what just happened. The yeah. words that you just said, Bill, have shaken me in a way that I am. <laughs> I am emotional like, and
0: I'm uncomfortable. Like the, the front of the book, when you see the Watcher's head and everything shatters, and then the little fragments are all the little futures and pasts that could have been. That's one of them. Is Michael like Jackson. this? Is
2: this yeah. is like Watcher is standing in the sky. he's mm-hmm. like imagine the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, or a, a definite Jackson. what if.
1: I'm
2: uh-huh. like, oh my god!
0: <laughs> I, I don't know.
2: I'm with you. I don't. I don't think I want that. But I also wish like a clip existed someplace. Yeah, that I like could if really there was a DVD
1: it. extra feature where they're like doing a test screening of the scene, yes, just so we knew what, what it was. To, yeah, yeah. I, want, like, yeah.
2: The, I want like a test. I want like a chemistry read with him and Wesley, <laughs> just so I. can yeah. that's see it.
1: it.
0: You want that grainy eight millimeter Nick Cage electric <laughs> Superman suit footage? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of glad it doesn't exist, but yeah. I'm glad I know about it too. So yes, we, we
1: want to know more, but it's just a thing we'll never get. We'll and, never know. You know, sometimes we don't get what we want, but what we do get is more information from me in this segment. Apparently the original villain in this movie was supposed to be Morbius of Morbius the A movie. Morbius? Jared Leto <laughs> fame.
2: Uh, A Morbius fame, it's Morbin time. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Uh <laughs> who uh, as Bill informed me just before this uh recording, was who gave Blade originally his powers yeah. was Morbius. And do you know
2: how sad I was that the Morbius movies because of this knowledge and because of this love, when somebody said it's Jared Leto, I was like. I hate it here. This is the bad place. Could this <laughs> yeah. get? Could this year get any worse? I can't take any more heartbreak.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm right there I, with you. It's 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 really something to chew on because Morbius could have been Brilliant. incredible, and it could have been great with this, you know, this upcoming Blade something, yeah. that might be happening.
2: But oh. Yeah. Like let me just tell you, I am so feral about Blade that when one of my first assignments for work is I got to go to the eternal screening and I had been very professional with my new coworkers. I'm very calm. I'm like, okay, this is fine. I'm And then you ran into our
1: mutual friend and then it went away.
2: (laughs) And then at the end of the film, everybody, it's like all these industry people, all these very fancy like critics and reviewers and people that really obviously don't follow Marvel, but they're there because they're entertainment reporters. I literally stood up and yelled, It's Blade! at the end of the movie when this man put his hand, his hand was just over the sword. And I went, It's Blade! And then Maharshala Ali said, Are you sure you want to touch that? And I turned to my new co worker of a week and went, That's Mahershala Ali! And she just kind of looked at me like, oh, my God, what do I do? And then I was like, I'm sorry, everybody. Very <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sorry. No, sorry. No, no apologies. <laughs>
1: Let me live.
2: <laughs> no. I, like, I, was just like, I was just like, this is the greatest day of my life. I know it's happening. It's real. My fever dream is coming to life.
0: Do we have dates on this? Bill, do you know? None. I, no, none. Yeah. It's it's just out there. So yeah. Yeah. I do it's know that happen. Wesley commented on that. I do, too. That, and he was very... <laughs> positive from what i could see you yeah. know he he's, he was supportive so that's good I, yeah i think that's always tough because yeah you always get the contingent of like if they're still alive bring them back and it's like yeah i don't know about that so and then i think Blade.
2: that's what made me sad about the morbius of it all right is because like yeah then there was also a universe where they could have inserted him somehow some way as an elder or whatever and i had and that's then when i found out what the movie really was going to yeah. be i was like oh
0: and no. I'll, I'll drop this overarching thought here because it plays into everything. And it's part of what I love about this movie is we've talked about Goyer and Del Toro and their love of the thing. I believe that if you're going to do a deep seated thing or a franchise or something with a lot of history, you need a fan involved. Yes. A lot of people will tell you you don't want that. No, you do. You do, because none of these movies should fail. They have. There is enough there to pick and pull all the elements of across a multiple thing to put together a a good to great movie and if you yeah. don't do that it's because the people involved don't have the feel for what they're doing they don't yeah. have the history to pull it off or they've been brought in specifically to put their spin on it and yeah. i watched the commentary with del toro and he said we did not he specifically said we did not come in here and make a guillermo del toro version of blade we were brought in to make blade from this following what was come before and make it better and i'm like that's how you do it because there's a million fan fictions that probably could have pulled it off yeah. and yeah. done it. And you're like, why not one of those for the grace of whatever you've got the yeah. inroad to get this movie. And I think also, you know, some people, because they don't know, or it's not a captain America or they're, yeah. it's not a, a property that they're willing to already treasure. They're like, eh, and they're a little too loose with it. And you get a story like that. And it's yeah. sad.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the commentary on this DVD because this is uh, what I hinted at earlier in this episode. I personally have never listened to the commentary, but in college I worked at an Einstein brothers bagels or as us West coasters know them as Noah's bagels. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when I was in the back washing dishes, there was another guy, bacon bagels. And, uh, so we always had movie talks, right? It's it's what you do in your service industry do- jobs. You talk about movies, you you do anything to pass the time because you hate customers. It's the clerk speech. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and they were all talking Blade 2. I hadn't seen it yet, and then this guy Adam goes, "Oh, but you have to watch it with the commentary, and I'll tell you why. Guillermo del Toro is great. He's a great director and he will be explaining his vision of why he did this and all of the reels he watched and dailies from Blade 1 to make it a Blade 2 perfect in sync. And then you'll also get Wesley Snipes going, jab, 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 high kick. (laughs) And see, I did this because in my training and, you know, whatever. And it was the perfect juxtaposition of exactly what you want from both people. Wesley Snipes talking about acting in martial arts. (laughs) And in a very, like, intense way and guillermo del toro soft-spoken describing the scenes and you can't imagine them actually in the same room doing that Hmm. Uh, so everyone that's your homework on today's i was was like i think i know what i'm gonna go back and do now yeah don't you live a podcast that gives you homework uh bill speaking of homework we have another section on this would you like to tell us what that is
0: well, this is where we take a look at the movie. The look, the feel, the costume, everything about what makes this movie what it is. What makes Blade 2 Blade 2? We call this section Suit Up.
1: Mackenzie, you're going to go first on this one because oh. you, you hinted at it earlier. You work at what we're not going to name, Fashion Blog, yes. unless you'd it, like to name it. It's very not-
2: fancy digital fashion publication that features all these A-list celebrities and all this stuff and you know I loves me some good like superhero fashion and when i tell you i was transported immediately when wesley came on screen with his sunglasses and long black coat and his corset black top i mean it is a three piece leather suit i love <laughs> it so much and i truly forgot how absolutely in like there is no better like, we'll talk about this later in the thing you would show somebody to explain the movie, but sure. there is no better framing than this moment of Wesley and his three piece blade suit with his, his made to hold his specialty blade backpack in the back. And then there are people coming in in full nylon silver outfits mm-hmm. with like contracting pupils. On their- I was like, oh. This is this was such a fashion vibe at the time. Like this was a look from top to bottom, and I was like, I forgot this was a thing because between the Wachowskis and Blade, like this was an era of like yes. techno punk, like just and it what it's that thing you said, Bill. It's like and it's that street element too mm-hmm. that got added, yeah. like this very yeah. urban gritty feel that was taken from this kind of like Brooklyn. Like, what people thought drug dealers were, which I was like, wow, we all really thought these people were very stylish. Yeah. Just like, oh, and then it just, like, this, I still can't make heads or tails of the two tattoo dots above the very thin early 2000 eyebrows. Like, those were the things I, as I'm watching it, ranting on the phone to my mom that she's an irresponsible mother for letting me see these movies. I am then getting distracted mid-convo and going, well, what is that's not practical to fight anybody. (laughs) Why is your midriff out? And she's like, who are you talking to? I was like, I'm talking to the girl in the movie. I got
1: to figure out what's happening. I'm talking to the the acrobatic people who are (laughs) silent for some reason, but no, there is so much in this movie. I, you, you hit the nail on the head and I had to jump in with my thought because it is so much of what (laughs) a group in a room Think something should be, yes. and surprisingly, more times than not, it worked in this movie. Like it's that's the really problem neat. with this movie. This movie is the kind of movie
2: that if I were to describe it to someone, they'd be like, "Oh, so you didn't like it?" I'd be like, "Oh no, I love it. It formed most of my personality." And then if I describe the costumes, they'd be like, "Oh, so they look silly," and I'd be like, "Oh no, no, no! You will watch this and possibly want the boots that she yes. is wearing. Like I promise you." This is the movie yeah. that I'm like, I was reminded through this entire thing. Like, oh, right. This is the movie that when people are like, where do I start to get into comic book stuff that I'm like, blade <laughs> <laughs> <belayed> to.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's really interesting because I will, you watch the commentary with the wardrobe directors and it shows you everybody on this production cared about what they were doing. Yes. They did not take it as silly at all. When the director is saying we had to come up with shades of black. I'm like, that's genius. I work in commercial nice. printing. I know color. And it's like, yeah, because it's so easy to turn on these movies and it's just mud. Everything's mud and you can't see yeah. anything. And you can, everybody, nobody's differentiated in any way. It's kind of my one of my peeps with the first X-Men movie is it's all black leather. It's yeah. other than if they could have just put some color in those uniforms in any little way to differentiate him, it would have made that experience a lot better for me. But this movie, you watch it and you can tell everybody apart you don't have a problem seeing anything there's there's patterns it's it's real it's It's like you're looking out a window at the club or the street
2: there's all this yummy texture and the body tattoos tell stories because even that moment where it's like the guy who's on the team and then blade it's like there's difference in their body tattoos to understand like the daywalker versus the vampire world like homegirl with that red hair it's like yes and then just those like those shades of cool cool blue to then show you like you said it's like we've gone past the undead now we've worked into like they're so dead they're like decomposing frozen body blue and Uh it's just there are choices in this from a tutorial standpoint that i'm that like you said you're like everyone here cares in a way Uh that is so obvious (laughs) that you're like wow that you really have those moments where you're like, "Oh, the Russo brothers think they care, but this
1: team cared."
0: Oh, yeah, they would put them to shame. To shame.
1: <laughs> I had a couple of things I want to say about more of like the look of the settings too. But first, I do want to say when you say textures, Mackenzie, I'm so on board because like so many reasons. When you watch an old movie, an older movie, let's say, and there's a mesh tank top. Uh, there's no reason for the mesh tank no, top or midriff, not but, not but there's a reason for the mesh midriff in this film, and I, I, I get you gotta respect. There that. you go. There um, you go. <laughs> when I'm watching this, I'm hypnotized, and I am thrown right back in this era of like early or late '90s, early 2000s sets, like big set pieces, you know, yes. that mm-hmm. are so much. For so little, right? Like, like tiniest I'm thinking of payoff. Yeah. <laughs> there I'm thinking about like when there's the room with all the specimens of the new vampire breed or whatever, I was just about to class. say that I was
2: like, why is it so big? It is yes. the biggest space for everybody to be congregated. It is the greatest practical set because it's massive. It looks like an airplane hangar, and they are all congregated in this yes. small corner. Or when they're going to
1: about to like draw blades, blood and bone marrow and everything. It's a giant room for one bed. Yeah.
0: for one. Yeah. (gasps) The things that stuck out, like when they go into the blood bank in the middle, it's like, say you're in an all night blood bank, which don't don't do that. And you're going down the hallway, filling out your form on the fly. Don't do that. And you enter a room that's eight miles long with one chair and four <laughs> lights in it, and two people dressed like stormtroopers. <laughs> I don't think you keep walking. I just no. don't. No. And, no. And that room and the Mosquitoes' lab. Like my big thing was like, why does he have a vending machine filled with baby fetuses? In yeah. It? When
2: was, I tell you that was the one moment where I was like, oh no, uh-huh. what
1: have I done? Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not into-
0: <laughs> i was like i used to eat out of a thing that looked like that in my old yeah. job that and that wasn't good either what was in there and this is really bad it's just
2: you just realize like wow somebody had to sit down like a props master had to craft like a yeah. hundred fake fetuses just for him to pull out the one and for somebody else to lean in close and that was it that
0: but was you it. realize that's the comic book element because every super villain They know how to deck out their lair, man. They got their pad rocking. And it's just, it's purely for aesthetic. And
2: And they have it set up for a show, right? It's like, he could have just pulled that one fetus. No, no. He has to bring up from the floor a rotating (laughs) situation that's like, here you go. Ta-da!
0: There is always a spot for him to tell the hero exactly how screwed he is. This is your presentation spot. I need you yeah. to stand here while I fire up this evil PowerPoint and let <laughs> you know what's going to happen to you, and it's not going to be good. And and they did this in Prague, and Del Toro said the thing about the Eastern. He had the mm-hmm. Eastern European craftsmen. They these are, these are real things. They oh, yeah. not a lot of CGI as far as set work goes. These things were built, and it shows. It's it's a very real, and it's surprisingly. Rob, you said like for small, this movie takes place in a small area. It's yeah. not a lot of movement from, it's a couple of buildings <laughs> and blades Lair and it's a, and a, and a two streets. And I kept thinking, what is it familiar about this that I like? And I remembered it's dread dread takes place mm. in a building. And I'm like, you can, it's I me. Mean, you can make an entire movie about this in a closed space. It doesn't have to span worlds and galaxies. Yeah. If it's grounded like this and you're in it because everything's, crazy looking but relatable we all know what big rooms and churches and large corporate buildings look. i know when they walked into the corporate building like that's the true evil right there those big glass doors that we all go through and go i don't want to go to this meeting this ain't good (laughs) yeah it's Uh, it's those are the
1: meetings where it's a bunch of suits and ties uh making decisions on how they think
0: the world is this is what i'm saying you got a you got a blank email it just said from damaskinos (laughs) to rob meeting and nothing inside of it like, it's okay, just a
2: calendar, calendar that drops in 15 minutes yeah. before the meeting and you go wait wait yeah. wait wait wait. i'm not ready for this and
1: why, then you'll this... tell i've got something on my mind this yeah. week <laughs> like,
0: why is all this text in red and yeah. i don't know this can't be and in chiller <laughs> comic sans oh. uh. all right bill should we move on to the next segment pretty much the only other things i wanted to hit on this was like it's the martial arts fighting is great i love that you've got donnie yen in this movie teaming up with wesley snipes uh, wesley calls his like urban martial arts style and they let donnie call take care of what del toro called the wire foo and i think those movies (laughs) del toro had mentioned he thought like the wire foo stuff has kind of Worn out at this point in the early 2000s, it, it was done a lot. Once it got popular, yeah. it was in everything. Yeah, and, once
1: Matrix did like Bullet Time and wire yeah, food. Yeah. Like but it was. I
0: like, think it's amazing because Snipes' style, I call it Samurai Dance Party, because his fighting okay. style is a blend of samurai and just something you would see on 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 Dance Party USA and Soul Train, and it's yes. beautiful. It's a beautiful fighting style, and the wire stuff is great because they seem to only want to use it to supplement the supernatural part of this movie. Like none of these vampires fly. They don't turn into bats, but they use it for that. And because it's so sparingly, it's not overdone to the point where you kind of get used to it or get tired of it. It's really amazing. And I think that's a big appeal to this movie because lots of people love martial arts movies. And this is, among many things, a martial arts movie. So I think this added a lot to making these movies a success.
2: I think to add to your thing about, one, because the martial arts was crazy. Like that moment where he's got like the bomb and oh. homeboy's like, oh, did I forget to tell you? The lever stuck. Mm-hmm. And he's like, shh, shh. I think the most like dancer moment is when he's in the water and he's like almost doing an eight count to the big flourish at the end. Mm-hmm. He's like, eight, seven six and then it's like five sword in the water like, and he's doing all this stuff to the beat of his own count and then he's like one and they all pop up and he slices through everyone in this very like like roundabout kind of way and then also Very the bomb went off which i was like sir if the bomb if the light thing was going to go off we didn't need to count down to you no. slicing through skeletons but i appreciate the showmanship for oh, no.
0: yeah. I'm glad i saw it yeah <laughs> I, I i thought two things one that's a long 10 seconds and when he swings <laughs> i went pop and lock that just yeah. felt like pop and lock
2: it was it was it felt it, it's just you are so right there is an element of wesley snipes martial arts that truly is like breakdancing. it's hip-hop mm-hmm. in it and you can feel it and then it's this and you're yeah. kind of like oh right like this is what made you you is that you took everything of your background and infused it into yeah in this very like yeah you know kind of like Le- 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 leroy jenkins kind of way into yeah. your martial arts so that <laughs> yep. people were like that's him that's
0: yeah, Wesley. You get, yep. You get Blade 2, Electric Killeroo. That's how exactly. This works out.
1: <laughs> and I I if we branch a little bit into this, what well, we don't talk about, the MCU, but no, there are few, I think, current day Marvel characters that the actor embodies the character as well as Wesley Snipes embodies Blade. And Mackenzie, I don't, you know, they're all great. We love the movies. I'm not here to hate on anything, but like I would say it was refreshing when we got Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark because that was actually like, oh, Tony Stark is kind of Robert Downey Jr. But Wesley Snipes was not Blade. He just liked Blade and became Blade. Mm -hmm. Yes. I like that a lot. We've got another segment on today's show. It's called Hero or Villain. And in hero or villain, we find which actors gave super performances and which were dastardly. I will expand on this to say that your hero or your villain can be an element of the movie. It doesn't always have to be an actor or a performance by. And um, I think we should start with villains, and then we'll come back to heroes because we always got to end on a on a good note in a segment. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my villain Norman Reedus as Scud. Now he is a villain in the movie, sure, but ultimately I think I'm kind of and granted I'm 20 years out sweating saying that sentence, but like I'm kind of through with the stoner type character that's a good guy but also a bad guy, and I think he did a good job in the movie, but. There's so much that comes with like a 90s early 2000s stoner guy that like you kind of you can be a stoner guy without actually smoking dope the entire movie too <laughs> like <laughs> please i I get it. Executive sitting around a table. I get it. Like, but see that character
2: now is just like, has a, like you just see the vape cartridge somewhere on his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's it. Like that's the character now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Bill, how about you? Who's your villain? Well, there's not, too many bad things in this movie oddly enough i think some of the characters sadly don't get the time they deserve on screen which is a little bit i would like to have seen a little more of the blood-packed stuff but one member of that my villain is sadly ron perlman and the thing about it is his character is just kind of there and he's supposed to be a contrast when i watched it to blade and i realized i found out later that the blood pack each one of them is supposed to be an expert in one of the things blade is good at swordsmanship you've got the donnie yen snowman character you've got speed you've got strength which and they don't explain that which is sad it's lost in the film and it's a little confusing because when i first see them and they're like they're the super group it's like they're no better at their job than anybody else that's come into this movie they all got taken down in like four seconds But clearly you got a Ron Perlman. He's the lead. and But he just kind of comes off as there. He doesn't seem to have a real sharp contrast attitude or real defined axe to grind. So I just kept looking at him, waiting for him to do more or say something or have a little more attitude instead of just standing there with his shades on, saying a string every now and then, just looking like a big, tall, tough vampire guy. And I found out in my research for Trivia His character originally was supposed to have been a Nazi who was Mm. turned, And he's dressed, (laughs) they say he's dressed kind of neo-Nazi, which that was lost on me because he's in black. And in that sense, they're all in black. So I didn't, I didn't make this connection.
2: He looks like a rave kid. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I get, you know, no, that that's a a trope that falls into movies. We've all, you know, I'll make him a Nazi and they're bad. And that's kind of a crutch thing. But part of me, much like learning the Michael Jackson thing is like. I think if that had been true, which I guarantee would have been problematic even back then in a lot of ways, it would have given him something to go with that would have at least given him a burning hatred or a superiority complex or something that would have made him blind to his own flaws to where he's just he's so narcissistic that you just wait for his comeuppance and you kind of don't get it. So I'm glad they didn't make him a Nazi, especially since Ron Perlman is Jewish. So that would have been a rough. (laughs) (laughs) road to hope not
1: to crack yeah (laughs) but if they
0: yeah but if there had been some kind of counterpoint to that in that sense and made him more of an animated person i think he would have been more of a standout because a lot of the there's no real big loud crazy villain other than than lomax and he's just crazy in a different way and turns out to not really be the villain of the piece so that's my ron ron's got a lot more range and they didn't tap into it so i feel bad for that so it's reinhardt How about you, Mackenzie?
2: I mean, I have to say, I apparently don't have a single original thought because both of you named the two people I would have talked about. But I think for me, Ron became the villain because I was like, oh, right. This was a time in Hollywood when they like to make one person racially ambiguous enough that they could be like something for everybody. Like, so that was a moment I had when I truly went Is that young Vin Diesel? And then I went, no, that is not. Whoa, sunless tan, this vampire. Like, this This man has never looked like this. I would also have to say close second is, again, it's a sign of the times, is you have an Asian character that says three things.
0: and gets killed off camera. Oh, blew my
2: mind. I was like, are we going to do nothing about this? But yeah, I truly was. There were just some moments. And I have to say, it was a I truly had the same thought where I was like, oh, right, right, right. This was the time when movies would do the red herring, where it was like, it's the old man. All signs point to the old man. It's the old man. And you're like, oh, right. But that dude was everywhere this man was when Uh all these bad things kept happening. So, yeah. Yeah. Those were the moments where I was kind of like, oh, okay. I forgot these certain tropes had like real value back then. But then I also had to remind myself, like, Oh, right. This is also a Wesley Snipes film. Yeah. This was yeah. this is, like this was normal for a while. Like this yeah. was the thought, was just like it's it's Wesley.
1: It's That's an R-rated action film. Yeah. Like, uh, yep, we know what we're getting out of it.
0: <laughs> he could smile everybody to death in this movie yeah. and it would have yeah. been perfect.
1: My hero of the film is the group The Crystal Method, because uh, when their song The Name of the Game was played during the final fight scene, I was like, oh yeah, remember when like popular songs or quote (laughs) popular songs were played during fight scenes in movies and it wasn't just a score or an epic like soundtrack in that way, because then I could go to the Sam Goody and buy the album of the movie and watch the music video that also had the fight scene in it. Like, Mm -hmm. eh it just brought up a really great feeling to me because I also saw the crystal method perform once at a family values tour in like 1999. (laughs) And I was like, I am all
0: here for this. Uh, How about you, Bill? Well, Rob, I'm just going to say before I say mine, that you've got our next theme because our next series is going to be just the scene with the song from that group in that show, because (laughs) I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my memory of tattoo, all the things you said in the finale of birds of prey against your, Song and we're gonna we're gonna battle and Mackenzie's got pick. She's gonna judge this contest. <laughs>
2: I I mean, know, she's gonna, gonna pick judge. one
0: that blows both of us out of the water.
2: Yeah, I'm but, gonna go pick the most girly thing I can think of. I'm gonna go through all of
0: my movies from back then. Ah, uh, we look forward to the next series. <laughs> uh, my hero is Santiago Seguero as Rush. Rush is the guy that Blade grabs in the alley. The one that lives takes him to where yep. Whistler at. Likes to wear boas, long hair. <laughs> He's the one at the end of the movie that he catches the, the vampire keeps letting go you know and all i could think of was this dude is having a great day because i I wrote down in my notes it's like clint walker meets huggy bear i don't know what this (laughs) character is but i want more of him i wanted so much more of him him. and he just would pop up like the dog and duck hunt and laugh and then he'd trumble off screen like he's great he's just having a great time during this whole filming so he's my hero
1: how about you mckenzie
2: oh my hero will forever be All the times people say Daywalker, how they say it, when it's said. It is said like it's a slur sometimes. It's said like a compliment sometimes. It's said like a scientific word. I love it. I love all the times people say Daywalker. It's nonsense, and I love it so much. Like When they are are full techno partying upstairs, and a close second would have to be when Ron's like, I got him in my sights, and then you look, and Wesley's like, I got you in my sights. And then Uh you have vampires under them going...
1: Day I've got them in my sights. I
2: <gasps> love, I just love every time somebody says Daywalker because clearly it is the moment that people, when they were doing the table read, were like, I'm going to put my stank on this when it's my yeah. time.
0: To oh, take. yeah. I think yeah. we need to develop this for our store. And it's a cologne that we sell.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Daywalker. Uh, CK1, <laughs> Daywalker day day edition.
1: <laughs>
0: our next segment is where we pick a scene that we would show somebody to get them to watch this movie. It's the big action piece. It's a small piece. could be anything. We call it the splash panel.
1: I'm going to go real easy because it's related to what Mackenzie just said. The tail end of the nightclub dance sequence through that first like real major fight with the Reapers. It shows you what the movie is, how it was made, what you're in store for. (laughs) And if someone can sit through that like 10 minute chunk, I feel like they're going to love the entire movie. How about you, Mackenzie?
2: Oh, I mean, it comes right at the top of the film. And it has to be when Blade is in his own lab, lair, space, bunker with those giant floodlights for no reason that they're there. They're not UV lights. They don't scare away vampires. They're just for ambiance. And then you have full ninja style vampires swinging in from the rafters. That to me is the scene that I'd be like, let me explain to you what you're in for. And I just start the movie. (laughs) Then just see if they can make it through the first five minutes and be like, did you like this? Are you into what you just saw? All right, let's keep it going. There we go.
0: That was almost mine. How about you, Bill? (laughs) I'm going for a little more of the low-hanging fruit of this. I want the fan who's not quite sure what to make of this. So I'm going to show them the beginning of the movie, the alley fight sequence, very specifically from the moment that Blade hits the ground and the two guys are on the motorcycles. To go Mm. through that, plus you get the spinning Batman Batarang that goes everywhere but does nothing. So you got your superhero (laughs) element up until the point where Blade's taking him down. He's got the motorcycle, and he slides up to his 68 Dodge Charger that he has tricked out just before. And he's not going to crash into it. And he looks at it, and he blows it a kiss. And I'm like, boom, (laughs) Snipes moment. Like This movie's got everything you're going to want. Martial arts, ninjas, vampires, Wesley Snipes. Here's your movie. Come watch it. There you go.
1: That is incredible and unique to each of our tastes and views. And as we wrap up this episode, we have just a couple of more things for you folks. And in this segment, we call the Marvel mailbag. We give our final thoughts on the film, just like when we used to write into the Marvel bullpen about comics, you know, that, final couple of pages where your opinion matters bill would you like to lead us off on this one
0: absolutely i think this is a great movie i think it's in this era is very important these are the movies that get you to the mcu we've said it before Mm -hmm. this is why we wanted to do this to shine a light on some of these things and you can see that a lot of great effort went into this movie it's a sequel that i don't know if it'll surpass its original one i think it's right in line with it I don't yeah. think you need to grade them that way, but I think it shows how you do a franchise and how you keep these things moving forward. They pick the best people. They have the fans working on it. They have people who love what they're doing and they don't understand it. And it's accessible to everybody. All these superhero movies can be. If you don't lean into all the niche things or ignore the things that do make them special, every one of these has to reach in at some point and just grab you by the heart and squeeze you and go. Oh, my God. This I love this. I love it. Either you've read it and you love it or you've just seen it and you love it. And I think Blade Two is pulling Marvel out of the gutter of what they had done previously with their live action stuff. And this is the bedrock that the MCU is built on. So everybody owes a debt to Wesley Snipes in that sense because he pushed this forward because if his movies had not been successful, I am not at all convinced that you get a Marvel movie. I don't know if you get Spider-Man. I think this whole thing just tanks for a good long while. So I throw my uh, salute to these. I throw my Oakleys in the air and catch them (laughs) with one hand for Blade and Blade 2 and everybody involved with this project.
1: How about you, Mackenzie?
2: I mean, my note is truly to Mr. Kevin Feige in regards to this movie, which is Kevin, buddy, homie, Mr. Feige, Sir Marvel, if you will. I was reminded in watching this movie how good Blade was. Bill said it best. This is the movie that made people go, well, maybe these comic book movies are so bad. Maybe they don't have to be campy and have bat nipples or have (laughs) weird cartoony sets or they don't have to actually be literal children's cartoons. And for that reason, Mr. Feige, I am now reminded that it is lovely that you have Oscar winner Mahershala Ali playing Blade. It is great that you have thought this through, but the bar is so high on what I expect now from like the New World Order Marvel with its Oscar winning directors and it's like epic stories that I am a little afraid for what is ahead in terms of me as a fan when I finally go sit down to see the new gen of Blade. Because it truly is a case where When people try to explain why comic book movies are good, it's a little bit of camp and it's a little bit of substance and you will never get anything as good as what these movies were trying to do and ultimately executed. So really this is just a fair warning to Kevin Feige that I will be stomping around the Marvel building with a protest sign. If this isn't what I want and I will officially join the toxic fan reddits in which I'll be like, Oh, look at a ruin in a movie from my childhood. And I'll join all the neck in the basements of the world <laughs> complaining about these films. If I don't get what I want.
1: Oh, I love it. Now <laughs> there's not much more that I can say that you both haven't already said <laughs> much like earlier. What I'll say on the side of like this era of filmmaking I love all of like the blue lights, the stupid unrealistic shots, the dutch angles, the things that like made late 90s early 2000s films what they were that weren't like teen sex comedies, you know, the, like not the American pies, like throw that off to the wayside, the action movies, the thrillers, the weird stuff, like I think about like that movie with Sigourney Weaver and Harry Connick Jr., uh copycat, right? Like no one talks about that movie anymore, wow. but it was like a super creepy thriller from the 90s. Yeah. This is a super weird. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Blade Two is a weird action Wait. film. It is
2: Wait. not a dive. And man's, man's face opens up and there's a little vampire hand inside yeah. it grabs onto Just, your face.
1: And just before this, we had what? Spawn? That was kind yeah. of in that same realm of like weird superhero movies yeah. that were like seeing what works. Blade works, but yeah. it also has all the elements of what we expect from an R rated thriller movie. And I love it. And I think that I will watch this again. Will I watch Blade Trinity? I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but maybe. <laughs> Maybe one day <laughs> when, I, when I have absolutely nothing else to do, I will do that. But until then, we have one last segment on this show, Bill. Would you like to bring it home?
0: It's appropriately called Hammer Time. An an today, yeah. And this is where we talk about whether or not this movie is worthy. Can it lift the hammer and prove that it earned and deserves its place in the Marvel history of films. It's a thumbs up,
1: a thumbs down, simple answer, Mackenzie. I think I know what it might be. Oh, is, the, it's, is the hammer it's the, lifted? It's lifting
2: Milner high
1: over its head.
0: Bill, I think we're on the same page absolutely he lifts that hammer spins it around taps it on the ground does a dance move over top of it and then she's it on the back somehow in a weird pocket in his jacket yeah it's absolutely great and it does the one thing that i love best about these movies it takes the source material which when that source material started which coincidentally is as old as i am is a little janky and a little weird for its time and a little stereotypical and improves on it. it takes the best parts of it and makes it even better to the point where now that character is not the one that you read, it's the one you saw. Mm -hmm.
1: Couldn't agree more. Hammer's lifted. And now, we go into our listener mail. Mackenzie, would you like to answer a letter from one of our listeners? Uh, We don't call them fans, we call them friends. Um, Oh my gosh, please. Because I know, just so everyone knows here, and they understand the timeline of this recording, immediately after this episode, Mackenzie is... Hopping over to the theater to see Thor, yeah. Love, and Thunder. Oh, and uh, a million percent. <laughs> they, I want to make sure we are respectful of that time. So, You're my J- hero, Mackenzie.
2: I mean, I listen, it's the unexpected thing that people find out. Many a date has been surprised midway through to be like, So, what are you into? And I'm like, Okay, so in <laughs> episode, they're like, Oh, no, no, no. I didn't know we were going to talk about Moon Knight. I'd like to leave. i am checked.
0: But if they flag it, then you can just look at them and go, you did not lift the hammer, sir. Goodbye.
1: Exactly. Okay. Today's message comes from Cursor in our Discord. He says... Nice. Or Cursor says, Why do you think it took so long for the superhero film industrial complex to develop? I watched Captain America in 1979 and woo boy, is it a far cry from Iron Man 2008? The difference is night and day. Was the opportunity there and it was just not acted on? Or do you think that comics came of age in that 30 years and became a cultural touchstone that is more economically viable for the film industry? Wow. Big question. I I have a very overthought
2: answer. Please, Mackenzie,
1: I I would say you just get to give the answer on today's Oh,
2: because I've been thinking about this for a very long time. I mean, I remember once I was a finalist for a fellowship at Goldman Sachs, and I remember the woman asked me about what business should we be paying attention to, and I said comics. And I remember later when I got rejected from this fellowship, the gentleman in charge said, we all knew you weren't prepared. Now, this was 2010, maybe 2009. He said, we all knew... He said, we all knew you weren't prepared when your answer was regarding comics. And I was like... That's
0: insane. That,
2: that, that statement has aged like a bag of spinach. But <laughs> I think what I love so much, and I think why it has worked, and I will cite Rob knows this. I love me a book, is Bob Iger's book, Right of a Lifetime. I think he nails it in the sense that he was looking for something that had the same kind of story and longevity to it that like James Bond had, that had like Mm an epic mythology to it. And again, it gets in uh, more books, it gets into that Joseph Campbell hero's tale world. He saw this epic story that connected hundreds of characters that had backstories, that had relationships. I mean, it's like the fact that people now debate, like I don't want queer characters. I'm like, guys, Wolverine's dated Everybody. He's been alive for so long that he's like, I've run through that whole team. Let's move yeah. on. Like everybody, Cyclops, all of us, we've of all course. been here. We've like, seen the meme. Think, oh, we've seen the meme. And I think that's why it works now, is because people stopped looking at it as these individual serialized stories and started going, Oh, this is an epic tale that spans so many people and so many races and so many locations and all this stuff that if you look at it as a broader story, it is really interesting. But if you try to individually tell Fantastic Four, that's by itself, this story, that's by itself, then it gets a little disjointed because you're like, like you said, doesn't Morbius know him? Well, why is that so different? But then why did he show up? And that's what made it, I think truly that's what made it work, is to see that Iron Man movie and to think back that here Sam Jackson comes out of the shadows and he's like, I'd like to talk to you about something. You as the audience are like, whoa, wait, 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 whoa, wait a second. Because that's kind of what makes the end of Blade 2 work, is the fact yeah. that he is in this peep show and you go, "Oh, wait, I got to come back and find out what happened. And they started treating these films less like individual films and more like comic books, where it was like, tune in to the next issue to see what happens. Can't wait to show you the new suit. You just gotta come back for the next edition. And I personally think that's why the superhero industrial complex <laughs> is a thing in entertainment now. It became a sweeping tale and now people can buy it because you can jump in at any moment. And you know, I always tell people they don't know where to start. I'm like, start with Civil War. That's always my joke yeah. is start with Civil War and then pick somebody you liked in that movie and then go back and watch their stuff. So if you fall in love with Captain America, go through his stuff. If you fall in love with what's the deal with Bucky and Sam, follow where they started, then go watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's like, it's it's amazing. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> it's incredible. Great answer. I, You've said everything that I could have thought of and then some because uh, you're a bigger fan than I. Uh, and oh. apparently I've read... Books I didn't even know existed, uh, which I now need to go check out.
0: Come on uh, to over to Rob. I got 10,000 of them in the basement. Just for exactly. the next year reading.
2: Bill's uh, like, I got the comic books. I'm like, I've got your literary fiction and your nonfiction mm-hmm. reads to support this. Mm-hmm. And there you go.
1: Yep. And uh, and all I've got in front of me is shock rock short <laughs> stories about heavy metal. <laughs>
0: Nothing wrong with that.
1: Yep. Yep. All right, time for some calls to action. But before we give our calls to action and thank yous, Mackenzie, is there any place that you would like our listeners to know more about in your world?
2: Oh, my gosh. I don't know, guys. Um, check out whoatwhere.com. I'm sure my boss was like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> check out whoatwhere.com. That's where you can find me nine to five, working my real job. Um, or come on over to my Instagram at Miss USA. Like the title, T-O-M-B-A, like the degree. I know there's a story there, and one day we'll talk about it, ladies and gents. Um, Yeah, and come on over, because if I'm not talking about Marvel things, as Rob knows, or going to see Marvel movies, I am at Disneyland chasing down the people that play the characters to get photos in my new merch. So, there you
1: go. Love it. (laughs) Nice. Well, Bill, do
0: you want to run through some of our thank yous and whatnots? Definitely. Uh, The biggest thing you can do as our call to action is share our show with your friends. Put it on your social media. Rob and I do this for fun, but we have bigger plans. And to be able to do those kind of things, we need to get the word out. There are about 162 billion movies that Rob and I want to watch together, and we want to do it soon. Hopefully. (laughs) That would be great. Please do that. It doesn't cost anything. And if you'd like to, you can join our Discord There's great conversations over there. That's also a great way to get in touch with me or Rob. If you've got an idea for a future show or something you'd like to see, or a question you'd like to ask, like was answered by the lovely and talented Mackenzie green tonight. That's where you can drop it. Rob, what else can they do?
1: Hey, if they want to support us financially, there is a link in the show description among all of these other links where you can give a, one-time payment. It's not a subscription. You can say, I like this episode. Here's a buck. You know, and we're hoping that over time, when we watch every movie in existence on this excellent adventure, that that'll add up to help us pay rent for one month. You can also call into the action hotline. <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Uh, I believe so. Adventure Line. The Adventure, adventure line. line. Yeah, I, I like avoid- Adventure Line more. Yeah. The Adventure <laughs> yes. Line phone number's down there. Which and, in this uh,
0: case is kept in a dark sewer that is a black rotary phone with only one button on it, kept under the skull of a dead vampire that Ralph will answer if you call it.
1: Yeah. And I'll have to go through all that slime. Yeah, Um, you do. But we couldn't make this show without friends like Mackenzie. Mackenzie, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. We've got to thank Jothan for our show art, Patrick for help with editing, and of course, Draxium and Dr. Z for making our theme song. The links to their band camps are also in the show description. That's it for today's excellent adventure. We'll see you next time with another episode. Goodbye, everyone. pumpkin spice podcast is back to talk about some of the spookiest movies out there but this time they aren't covering franchises they're taking bus tickets to new cities to explore the horror happening all over the globe so tune in to pumpkin spice podcast a bridge burner podcast wherever you get your podcasts check it out now it's pumpkin spice podcast